When we only keep our dogs in our homes, in our backyards, in our own neighborhoods, we haven't shown them a lot of the world. They actually don't experience a ton of things. So if you just stick to neighborhood walks, maybe your dog is used to cars, but not buses. Right. If you just stick to city life, maybe your dog is used to buses, but not sheep. Like expose them to as many things as you possibly can and they will become more socialized. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Honest to Dog podcast. It's me, Liz Foley, your favorite dog trainer. And now that's my Instagram handle. So you can find me and follow me, send me DMs, tag me in pics, whatever you want. At your favorite dog trainer. I'm your co-host, Jeff Gadway, and I haven't changed my name. No. <laughs> I'm still Jeff Gadway. Let's talk really quickly. Uh, I mean, it's been a while since we've been with you, and thank you for understanding. We spent the last three months in California, and as much as we love doing this podcast and bringing it to you, we decided we really wanted to focus on living in the present and just experiencing that journey and focusing on ourselves for a little bit. So we took a little bit of a break. But we yep. came up with a ton of great ideas for new episodes. And so here we are, back with a new season. Recharged, refreshed, and ready to go. And rebranded. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a sec, Liz. Okay. So you've changed your name on Instagram from at Doghouse Waterloo to at your favorite dog trainer. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about why. Well, since moving away from the daycare scene... To me, that was always so much of what Doghouse was, it, what it started as, it's what it remained from that grew training and webinars and group classes and all of these other amazing things, but daycare was at its core. And now that's not my day-to-day anymore. I'm doing a lot of work helping other daycares create their own structure in their facilities and offer the best services they possibly can, how to train their staff, whatever. It's more of a consulting role. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, Doghouse was always a place. And I didn't feel like I identified with that anymore. Um, And so it was kind of sad. Every layer of kind of letting go of Doghouse has been sad. Like there's a grieving process to it for sure. I loved it for many, many years. Um, but this just felt right. It's what I started saying and listening to the podcast. Crazy enough, some people have started approaching me and when they see me at TCW or anything like that, they'll be like, oh my gosh, it's Liz Foley, my favorite dog trainer. And it just warms my heart. I just, I love it. And I feel like it's more authentic to me. And what's kind of crazy is I've been getting more followers. It's, I think when you show up as the most authentic version of yourself, people connect with that. And yeah, they want to be drawn part to of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask how the response has been. And I think the engagement and the numbers oh and the gosh. feedback speaks for itself. Yeah. When I did that initial post, like the love and support and everyone was like, yes. I don't know. It just felt felt right. What's the type of content that folks can expect to see from your favorite dog trainer on Instagram? Definitely more educational posts um, through humor for sure. We'll do some more dog trainer reacts and behavior breakdowns. Um, but all sorts of things for not just dog trainers and dog owners, but also for daycare, daycare peeps. Well, I think you're onto something here. I know your North Star continues to be helping as many dogs and as many dog owners as humanly possible. And Dog House was a place and a time in your career where you could really hone your skills Mm -hmm. and have an impact on 
a big impact, a deep impact on a limited number of dogs every single day. And while not diminishing that impact and, and the breadth of the impact that you made in this community, this next chapter, your favorite dog trainer, mm-hmm. working with daycares, working with boarding facilities, other trainers, heck, even groomers, dog walkers, whatever it might be, that's an opportunity for you to be that ripple in the pond that's going to mm-hmm. touch and reach even more dogs and even more owners. So it feels like it's not only authentic to you, but very authentic and in line with your mission. Mm, yeah, you have such a good way of putting things more eloquently. But that was that's very nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I will say like the 10 years at Doghouse was almost like my my understudy. And now this is moving into my master class. Ah, does that make sense? It does. But it's like, it this does. is where Doghouse was so necessary. And I would never take any of it back because it was where I learned from dogs. They were my teachers and I learned so, 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 so much. Um, and now is my chance to share that, pass that on. Like you said, have maybe like a, a bigger ripple effect. Yeah. So it's exciting. It is exciting. I'm excited for you. Congratulations. Back to the topic at hand, mm-hmm. Honest to Dog podcast, that is not changing. No. We will continue to bring you incredible value, practical, actionable tips to help you get the best relationship with your dog, and that continues today. The first topic we want to cover in this new season is very timely for us because we just got back from being away for three months, as I'm sure you all know, and it's also timely because we are going into the summer season when a lot of people are planning to take vacations with their dogs, include their dogs in their vacations. So today we want to do the one about vacationing with your dog. It sounds like a great idea. And I could see it being both a bit of a blessing as well as a little bit of a curse when it comes to staying the course with all the hard work that you've put into training throughout the fall, the winter, and the spring. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. I think we all as humans shift our mindsets. I mean, I know I do (laughs) where I think, oh, vacation. And it's not just a place. It's also doing nothing. It's a mindset. Yeah. It's like, oh, we get to relax. No worries, no problems, no work, no structure, like laissez-faire, like anything goes. And so often with that, our training rituals, all the discipline that we've put in for our dog's training also falls by the wayside. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I hate to say it, it doesn't come without consequence. Mm -hmm. Same could be said if people have been trying to follow a workout routine Mm -hmm. or an eating regimen in their day-to-day and then they go on vacation. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because we all make choices and we can choose to enjoy our vacation that way. But it might mean taking a couple steps back towards your ultimate goal and needing to get back on track when you come home. Exactly. And it, it's not uncommon for me to hear from clients saying, I don't know what happened. We had a great dog and then the summer happened and now he's got all sorts of bad habits. And it never happens out of nowhere. There's always some sort of reason and you probably already know from listening to the podcast, I always ask clients pretty much to start, what's changed? Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes it comes to, well, we spent two weeks at the cottage or 
two months or however long, one long weekend. And it it's so hard to get back into habits even after a little bit of time. Like habits are so hard to create and yet so easy to lose mm-hmm. that a lot of the time we don't get back on the training track after the vacation. How can we continue those practices on vacation? I mean, I would argue that what we just did three months in California, that Mm -hmm. wasn't a vacation. You were working the whole time. I was working the whole time. I mean, did we take time to enjoy ourselves and explore our surroundings and make the most of it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it a vacation though, but it was a big change. It was a change in routine, a change Mm -hmm. in environment. And as you've talked about before on the podcast, change is always a catalyst for regression Mm -hmm. in our dogs. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about some of the things that we did to uphold the program when we were in a different environment for that period of time or when we were at the cottage this week with your family? Mm -hmm. So I think you can look at it different ways when it comes to vacation or any change like that. You can look at it as a way to just let go of everything and quote unquote live your best life like without any structure, rules, or boundaries. Or you can look at it as an opportunity to take a pause from a lot of things. Yes, like work, perhaps even a bit of social life and buckle down on maybe one or two main things. Okay. And if I'm being honest, that's kind of how I looked at this opportunity to go and live somewhere else for three months. I was like, I'm going to focus on two things primarily, my fitness and health and the dog's training, especially with Blue. I was like, this could be detrimental or a huge success in his training journey. Mm -hmm. So like, let's make the most of it. Um, And so with that kind of focus, I was able to keep up with the habits that we've created. So some of those included, we were really diligent about um no furniture no yes. furniture for the dogs and i and we were really quite good at that we were very good with that um crating was another one um we knew we'd be moving around and shuffling a lot like especially in the beginning with different hotels pretty much every night um for our road trip down there and back so we're like hey everybody's crated so that that's their bedroom that's their constant throughout every place we go And I mean, that didn't come without its own set of challenges. Taking a crate that can fit a Mm tie-tie and a baker together in a pinch everywhere with us wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a bit bit of a pain in the butt to be unloading and loading this crate every night as we went from Toronto to illinois to oklahoma to texas to arizona to california to another hotel in california (laughs) back to an airbnb it was a pain but to your point it was worth it because it Mm -hmm. gave the dogs that constant no matter whether we were in a hotel or an airbnb they had their place where they could feel safe and secure Mm -hmm. and comfortable and not gonna lie for me it gave me major peace of mind yeah tight way back in the beginning used to be quite destructive outside of a crate and we haven't seen that in quite a while but again i worried with so much change 
he might become stressed. And so that gave me peace of mind knowing that he wouldn't be destroying anything. He had he didn't. He didn't even in his crate. If we did leave him out, he never made a mess. Um I never even thought of that. You're really? right. Really? Yeah. I never thought of that. I, I don't know why. It's it was such a problem behavior in the very, very beginning with him that I thought, oh, it's gonna pop up. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be what happens. Um, but no, it was all good. I, this is again just Reminder to stay out of story and be in reality with our dogs. But yeah. Well, the other thing, now that we're talking about Ty being a little destructive, he generally does that when his needs aren't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, as a next thing, daily walks. How should people be thinking about daily walks when it comes to vacation or a long-term change like we did Mm -hmm. with their dogs? Walks are non-negotiable. They have to happen. Always, always, always. Even if you have a cottage that goes for miles and is on the water and your dog can swim and run all day, you still, you shouldn't skip the walk. That is so fundamental to dogs and a way to not only show leadership, but provide your dog with mental stimulation and not just, you know what I mean? Like we think of fun on the dock all day, throwing a ball, swimming as being the ultimate for a dog. I think that's, that is so much fun for a dog and so needed, but I think they still really need some form of work and that one-on-one connection with the human, Mm -hmm. not involving a toy Mm -hmm. or something additional. Yeah. And and just to put things in perspective, when we were driving either to California or home from California, we were driving between seven and nine hours a day. They mm-hmm. were long days. Mm-hmm. And yet we sought to plan our trip in such a way that we had enough time at the beginning of the day to walk the dogs and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, generally to walk the dogs again, because otherwise they were on a bed in yeah. the car. And expected to be quiet and calm and chill. And they did because we were able to keep up with their physical needs being met. Yeah, we we structured our trip around ensuring that the dog's walks were fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And then of course, when we were in California, we made sure to incorporate you know, plenty of outdoor activity, walks, mm-hmm. that structure, and it was fantastic. I mean, they probably got more exercise, more say, structure yeah. than they would generally hear during those months of the year when it's bitterly cold. Yeah. And, I think, we, I think we took advantage of the weather and I was doing longer walks. Um, I was putting on my ankle weights and going for longer walks so it would count as one of my workouts. But they had so much time outside. I loved, I loved that for them. I loved doing that with them. Um, and we'd go on an additional walk often many evenings or afternoons. And we'd, we really stuck true to um, upholding their socialization where we made it a point to take them somewhere new most days like Mm -hmm. versus at home it's like on weekends but living the cali life we're like let's go somewhere new right now every day all day yeah bring the dogs or bring one dog which i think leads us to our next point of having multiple dogs when you're traveling and going on vacation you still really want to prioritize one-on-one time so there would be times where we it was always for our like additional adventure that day. So in the morning, everyone would get their walk, their play, 
the rest. And then in the afternoon when you and I would do an adventure, we'd bring sometimes all three dogs, sometimes just Baker or sometimes just Blue or sometimes Ty and Baker or sometimes just Ty. Like play around with how you can change it up for them and and really fulfilling each dog's individual needs as well. Yes. Which I think we talked about in the one about love languages. Yes. So if you haven't listened to that one, I suggest you go back and listen to it. Um, But one-on-one time and making each dog feel special. As we think about things that we can keep constant amidst a lot of change on vacation or on a long road trip, how does something like feedings work into that? You want to make sure that you're keeping with the same routine of walk and then feed because we know that that's the payment for the job well done. But because we also had multiple dogs, we made it a point to feed everyone in their crate and then give them their rest and downtime afterwards. We also tended to use more enrichment opportunities, um, especially with being on the road. So we got like puzzle feeders for the dog. So one of them was like a snuffle mat made ball. And so we were feeding, I think, kibble on the drive down. Then we switched to dehydrated raw because that made it really easy for them to still eat. Like I felt better about them eating that than kibble. Right. Um, And you could break it up, leave it dehydrated and put it in the snuffle mat ball. And then for the little chihuahuas, we had slow feeder like puzzle um, bowls. So they, they had to use their brain a little bit more and take their time eating. But... I wouldn't suggest doing those things and expecting that to get rid of your dog's problems. It's like an additional perk, like a fun thing. It's not so much discipline in my mind, but like we could play games with that even. And I think what goes hand in hand with feedings is, you mentioned already maintaining the ritual, but we really tried to double down on calmness around food Mm, in some of these different spots too. Can you speak to why that's important? All our dogs are really foodie (laughs) and we see it especially so if their needs aren't getting met. Um, Plus, all dogs have a tendency when in new territories to challenge certain areas. Um, And so one of them can be food. And so we really wanted to slow down all of our dogs in that waiting period because that was something that we found I think since adding blue has intensified because blue is very foodie, which we've really, really worked hard at slowing him down with that. Um, But when you have more than one dog, excitement can lead to redirection on another dog and you can get food aggression amongst your own pack if you're not really careful about how you set them up and only reinforcing calmness with giving food. So every night... Every meal, every morning, we would reward who was calmest in that moment and they would get their food first. So it completely varied day to day for the most part. I think Ty's the most, no, I don't, I can't even say that. I was going to say Ty's the most consistent with calming down first, but that's not true necessarily. Um, There have actually been times where Blue has surprised me and he's gotten the food first because he's waiting at the farthest distance, the most respectfully and calmest. And so it's just, it's interesting to see. And it's a good opportunity to read your dogs 
and teach patience and instill calmness. And so, yeah, we really doubled down on that one. Another area where I found our dogs in particular, and I've seen this, I see it in dogs a lot because threshold is a big uh, representation of change a lot of the time, right? From indoor to outdoor. So it's one where dogs, if you're not careful and consistent with it, they'll quickly lose their ha- their manners around doorways. And this was one like, oh my gosh, I wish I had video of Blue when we first got him and how horrible he was around doorways. It was almost like panic. Yes. Where he would go into complete like flight of just trying to get through the door. Like he must have gotten caught in a door. I don't want to make up a story though. But like there was such an issue of either being left behind or potential to be hurt in that space. He was fearful. It took so many repetitions. I don't think it's ever taken me so long to work through an issue with a dog around doorways as it did with Blue. And that translated to in and out of the crate, in and out of the car, anything and everywhere. And he got, let me tell you, he got a lot of practice with threshold work with all the different places that we stayed in California and how much we moved him around. Yes. And when we, sp- when we stayed that one place for over a month, oh my gosh, we had him so perfect for going in and out of that door and like our whole pack so calm that I was like, this is what's achievable. Oh my gosh. So I'm bringing that back home here now because I want to instill that level. So so that's like you said in the beginning of this episode, vacation can be a place where all our training regresses. It can also be a place where we push through and we reach a new level of dog training. That's what I wanted to talk about next, that it's going to be harder to train or maintain behaviors as you change things and change environments. But I think there's also an opportunity to reframe that mentally and say, how can I use these new environments to my advantage and lean into the newness Mm -hmm. and practice things in new places, new surroundings, and and use that newness to deepen your bond. So can can you talk about how we can challenge ourselves to embrace the variety while remaining consistent with the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Well, the way I kind of think about it is as a dog trainer, a big part of dog training is setting the foundation. And that needs to be done in a fairly neutral space. So somewhere that's going to be quiet and fairly controlled. So teaching your dogs the basics in your home, then moving to your backyard and then gradually expanding. With this, and then from that point, is and this is where not necessarily all dog owners go but definitely all dog trainers go into an area of now i'm going to change things up once you have an understanding of that i'm going to push it a little bit outside your comfort zone so that now you have to work through it again and this is going to solidify the training and then you can continue to challenge this is this vacation or our stay in california These are opportunities of further challenges to bulletproof your training. So I think, too, it allows for you to shift your mindset and not focus on it as being personal, where it's not your dog just challenging you or giving you a hard time. It's your dog having a hard time in a new space. 
And so it's your job to help them feel comfortable and empower them in that space, make them comfortable, confident, and safe. And then that only deepens and furthers your bond and your training. That makes a ton of sense. And I feel like something that kind of goes hand in hand with that is the importance of communicating if you have other people that you're with, like Mm -hmm. if you have a partner, if you have a family, to be on the same page and have everybody pulling in the same direction. And that's something I think you and I did particularly well over our three months away is communicating and supporting each other and experimenting with different things. So something that you said to me, I thought really struck a chord that when you're in new environments, you need to really be focused on observing and learning and adapting on the go because you might not have your regular people, places, and puppies to work with or your regular tools or your regular environments. You need to kind of work with what you've got. So can you just kind of elaborate on that from a dog training perspective, how you stay agile in new environments? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest challenges I had in LA was how how densely populated it is and and just how many dogs um and so there were definitely times that I found myself I was frustrated with my environment I'm a sensitive person and so that was something I had to be aware of within myself and so if I was going to be tense I was definitely not helping my dogs in that situation um so there was awareness of that so calming my own self down and then just keeping an eye out. Um, So like, for instance, we spent our first week in Venice Beach um, in California, and it is crazy busy there and lots of dogs. And so when we would walk the boardwalk, I'm paying attention to the people and other dogs, but also my environment. So if I was walking blue, I know he's really easy to redirect. He's very difficult to correct or deescalate when he's already kicked off. And so he's very visually reactive. And so I I found something that worked really, really well for him where if there was a ledge off the side of a walkway, I would just go instruct him, like guide him up, up, up or give him that cue and have him walk on that thin kind of beam and he wouldn't respond to the dog at all. It was a way that I could manage his reactivity and give him something to focus on and so this made me realize how I can adapt his training further um we experimented with redirection with treats um which worked only so well I found it's very difficult because he's so food motivated that he still stays in an excited state right so I'm no matter what I felt like I was rewarding the wrong state of mind and then that kind of did trigger further reactivity when I didn't have treats on me so then I was using the jumping up and that worked really well. Now we're thinking about finding a teeny, teeny, tiny backpack for him um, or giving him some sort of job to do, pull something on the walk so that that can fulfill him in that way that we're, we're falling short because I find blue falls into one of my most challenging categories of dogs to train. And we're going to talk about that in a future episode, but I need to be creative in how to fulfill him to then get rid of that problem behavior instead of just correcting the problem behavior 
Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I, I'm, I'm, I, I was going to bring up that example of the ledge because I thought that was brilliant. And just watching you work was so fascinating to me. I think that was in Redondo Beach. Mm-hmm. Or one of the times I remember was in Redondo Beach where, you know, having him focus on staying on that ledge, it's kind of like, or maybe it's like, tell me if I'm wrong here, when you have a dog wear like one boot on a treadmill, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're focused on that. So they're not focused on the, the scary thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like, yeah, changing their focal point. And it worked really well. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so, that's so crazy cool. Like, and just being able to be a bit of a chameleon with your training style and lean into the environmental surroundings that you've got, right? Use them as as aids. Mm-hmm. And it just further kind of shows how different all dogs are. I've never needed to do that for Baker or Ty for that instance, but it seems to work really well for Blue. I also think that's largely because his reactivity comes from insecurity and here this jumping up and performing, kind of performing a little trick or something makes him feel more confident. We always know jumping up onto something is going to make a dog feel more confident. So why not use that? So the last thing I wanted to touch on before we close is the long-term impacts of an experience like the one we just had where we were changing a lot of things on a regular basis. How has that resulted in or has it resulted in our dogs becoming more resilient so that we can take them more places. I think you were saying to me at one point that when you make a lot of changes, you might expect setbacks. Mm -hmm. But as you become more comfortable with change, our dogs were able to kind of settle in more quickly and, and find their comfort zone in new environments in shorter amounts of time. Absolutely. Because We've made their world a little bigger. When we only keep our dogs in our homes, in our backyards, in our own neighborhoods, we haven't shown them a lot of the world. They actually don't experience a ton of things. So if you just stick to neighborhood walks, maybe your dog is used to cars but not buses. Right. If you just stick to city life, maybe your dog is used to buses but not sheep. Like expose them to as many things as you possibly can and they will become more socialized. Showing them how to behave in those different areas. That calmness means when you're next to a horse. Ty and Baker and Blue all met horses this weekend. It was insane to me how calm they were. Almost like they didn't even notice. Right. And like it just blew my mind. And maybe that's because we had just done so much exploration with them. So much exposure and socialization that they're able to go, huh, cool. Uh, I've seen the ocean now, so that's not really a big deal. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what goes inside, what happens inside their little brains, but. It was just amazing to me how, and I, 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 at some point we should add up how many different, you know, beds we slept in over the course of those three months or places we, we ended up staying. But by the time we got to that last Airbnb in Topanga for that last week, they just settled so quickly Mm -hmm. into that last spot. And then to your point, we got home, we spent a few days at the at the house here, and then it was back up to this cottage with your family. And it was 
so easy for them to just adapt and be somewhere new mm-hmm. and, and fall into sync. And even for us, I think we didn't even need to to talk about like, okay, what are the things we need to bring? What are the things we need to pack? Like we, we already knew what mm-hmm. we needed to be able to maintain that structure, maintain that perspective on their training while experiencing something new in a different spot. Yeah. We actually split up the dogs too. I just took Tai Tai up with me. I was up there before you and you kept the two Chi-Chi's. And I didn't need a leash with Ty up at the cottage because of all of the work that I had been doing, training him, I felt so confident just taking him out with e-collar in an environment he'd never been. He did not leave my side until he was given the cue. He came back every time, first call. Like it just blew my mind. So I was like, as much as it was a pain, yes, to have the crate at every location, to load up three dogs, to keep long lines on hand, leash everybody up for potty breaks, like so much work. Holy crap, does it pay off. Now imagine if we had been so lax those three months and now we're home. I don't want to imagine that. It would be so much harder. We would have made our lives much more difficult. Yeah. And put more stress on our dogs. And I don't think we lost anything in in the route that we took. We didn't lose any of the enjoyment or the relaxation if anything it gave us more peace of mind knowing that the dogs were still checked in and on the right track Mm -hmm. i mean was it a wake-up call the first few weeks in venice with blues reactivity kicking off meanwhile it was perfect back home yeah it frustrated me that will also come up in another episode we'll talk about that (laughs) but now Look at where we are. Absolutely. So final thoughts. Was this extended trip with our dogs a positive, a neutral, a negative? What's your biggest takeaway? Positive, for sure. And I think my biggest takeaway is uh, the creativity and adaptivity. Is that a word? Adaptation? how quickly I am to adapt to things now and Love the it. creativity that it has sparked. I too will say it was an overwhelmingly positive experience. I think my big takeaway is we can do hard things. Mm. We can do hard things. We can live and get comfortable just about anywhere. I know this is cliche, but I really feel like home is anywhere I am with you and the dogs. Mm. I love our house, but I could be just as happy in a shack on the beach, in a shack on the beach in (laughs) Venice or a treehouse in Topanga um, or anywhere in between. You're my home. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Anyways, any hoozy, any hoozy enough of the sappy stuff. We're glad to be back. We've missed you all. If you have things you'd like us to talk about in this new season of honest to dog, hit us up at Honest to Dog Podcast, or at your favorite dog trainer. Yeah, and if you're not already following me, what's wrong with you? Get on that. For our American friends, there's a you in favorite up here in Canada. (laughs) So be sure to put that you in there. Don't forget, I'm Canadian, eh? All right, thank you so much for listening. We're so glad to have you back. And until next time, give your dog some structure and you can stay calm and confident too. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast.
Honest the Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. 